This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. If you want legendary service. If you want sweeter discounts. Save by bundling auto and home with insurance. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Jan Janais and Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Holmes' 1-0 victory against Cardiff City at Craven Cottage on Saturday. We have a lot to get through with this third victory in a row for Fulham. It is, let's just say, it's been a very good run for Fulham lately. We're going to talk all about it, but before I do anything else, like I mentioned, I have to bring my co-host on to the show. First, Mr. Cohen, how you doing? I'm doing great, Ross. You know, we're on the best form in the league, and it's like we're in the title race. And I read somewhere today, and we've more wins in our last three matches than United, Chelsea, Arsenal, and Tottenham com- uh, combined. So, wow. how about that? How about That's, that? I like that stuff. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. All right, Mr. Janaeus, how you doing? I'm just preparing for the Wolves game. <laughs> Okay. Um, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm doing I'm doing brilliant. What a bizarre weekend we had. We had, you know, obviously the Fulham game. There was the yep. Leeds Villa um, chaos in Championship, which was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen in my life. Um, and then, of course, uh, let's not forget Neil Warnock making a complete and utter tit of himself <laughs> for the thousandth time in his storied career. <laughs> I'm sure we're going to talk about that. No, um, I look forward to talking about all of that, my friend. And let's start here because I think this is a, a good jumping off point. And uh, listen, everyone listening, I'm sorry for the delay. We, we've had some scheduling problems. 
But we are now here to talk about this. I know several people contacted me. What are you doing in post-match? Well, we're doing it now. So, Mr. Janaeus, I'm going to start with you, and then I'll go to Max. Here's my topic for you. Yeah. Was this victory for Fulham more to do with Fulham or more to do with the approach of Cardiff City? No, I, was, no, I think, I mean, 73% uh, possession, um, even though Warnock said they dominated, but he's a twonk. <laughs> um, I mean, let, let, let's face it. Um, no, I thought, you know, we played with a lot of confidence, and again, we kept another clean sheet. Uh, Warnock, you know, after the game said he picked the wrong lineup, but uh, he's got no sense of humour. But we fans do. I mean, singing down with the Fulham, you're going down with the Fulham. That made my season, I think. That was absolutely brilliant. Just to see them all sulking, skulking all the way yep. back to, to South Wales. No, we were the better side. And, yes, of um, course. Although Rico, you know, Rico saved us late, but um, you know, um, I like, I really like honesty and transparency in coaches. If you yep. played well, admit it. If you haven't, admit it too. <laughs> you know, making excuses for, I mean, let's be honest about I'm it. I'm there Barbies with you. Are boring, 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 boring. You know thing. how I feel about Cardiff City. That's why I'm, oh, I'm enjoying this. Dreadful. And you know what? I can think of two teams in particular who are happy about this, apart from Brighton. Number one is Swansea City. Because you know <laughs> Swansea absolutely hate Cardiff. Yep. And secondly, Brighton. And I'll talk about Brighton because I don't, I'm sure you read that Brighton um, just released their nominations for goal of the month. I saw that. And Ryan Babble was one of them. I hope he gets it. <laughs> Great. Just to shut the card if I just, oh, they're just, gar- just garbage. Just rubbish. Rubbish, okay. rubbish, rubbish. No, we deserve the win. Totally agree, Giannis. I'm just bringing up the point because I saw a lot of commentary after the match about, well, why didn't Cardiff City approach it the way that they did after Fulham scored? And I think that's, again, I think that's not giving enough credit to Fulham. That's why I wanted to approach the question, the topic like that. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you understand why I brought that up to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, I mean, coaches, I mean, that was a that was a 12-pointer for them. I mean, they'd, you know, Brighton were on a terrible, terrible skid. And then they, you know, they got the, you know, they lost at home to Cardiff. And really, this was their chance where they could, they must have thought, okay, well, we, we can get some points down at Craven College. And let's be honest with you, Cardiff laid an egg. They never yep. looked like they were going to score. And we were we played with the sort of confidence and shape and style that's been missing for much of the season. And yep. fantastic audition for Scotty. And really, Warner can't have any complaints about the result. We were the better side, and he knows it. Yep. He knows it. But, of course, you know, he, you know, for public consumption of the Welsh, we could just to, to keep them happy down there, you know, um, that's fine. But But... You know, early in the season when we played them down there, we went a goal up, and I thought, and we were unfortunately awful after that. But yeah. in this game, I thought we were very good, and uh, really, okay. really no complaints. Very good there, my friend. Okay, Max, over to you. I want to ask you this question, and I asked it to Yanis. The reason being is that I, I saw some commentary about this match talking about, well, if Cardiff City approached this match differently the way they did at the end of the match. Maybe they would have gotten something else out of it. And I think that's not giving enough credit to Fulham. So that's why I posed the topic to you. Was this victory more to do with Fulham or more to do with the approach for Cardiff City? I'm in the camp that it has more to do with Fulham. How about your thoughts? I mean, it's, it's, I think it's a, lot, a lot of both because okay. Cardiff were so unambitious. And that's why they're going down at the end of the day. They just show no ambition for most of the match. But once they did kind of kick into second gear in the last 10 minutes – 
we looked all over the place and they looked dominant, right? And if that had been 20, 30 minutes of pressure, then I think we might have conceded in all honesty. But okay. that cannot take away, I think, how excellent we came out um, right. in the dressing room at the start of the second half. And that, for me, is one of the biggest things that Scotty has done you know, in a short time in charge is get us out of the dressing room at the start of the second half, all guns blazing. For too long this season, we've come out woozy, still asleep, you know, still in the halftime mentality, and sides have punished us. But, you know, in this kind of new mentality, it happened last, you know, weekend at, at Bournemouth when we get that early goal just, you know, five or ten minutes after halftime. And right. we really had that really good uh, burst of pressure almost for 15 to 20 minutes after at the start of the second half. So, you know, it was that really good pressure by us. But I think a lot of it was Cardiff were so unambitious, so negative, playing way too cautiously. And once they throw, uh, threw their attack at us, you know, we couldn't mark up. We were giving free headers left and right. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Sergio Rico and a little bit of luck, I must add, we okay. got a lot of luck, which we had not been getting all season. Then I think that match might have ended a lot differently. So okay. I'd say it's a little bit of both in terms okay. of Cardiff's lack of attack and our kind of good play. Okay. So you're basically middling it that you're, you're looking <laughs> at it from, from both sides. I, I get yeah. that. But that's why I kind of wanted to bring up this topic because I find it interesting that you can look at this match in a couple of different ways. Did it have more to do with Fulham? You're looking at it as a little bit of both. I, I understand that. I still think this had more to do with Fulham, but I, I get where you're going on that, Max. All right, Mr. Janais, back to you. Let's just look at the uh, starting 11 and the 18, as we always do in uh, the Cutters Talk post-match. Are your thoughts? Uh, no complaints. Kenny was back in the lineup, of course, um, for Sarri, you know, you know, which which was a good thing. And, um, you know, there's been two schools of voyage as he started to play the kids. And I would have been in favour of playing the kids to finish the season. He, he, he said no. Yep. You know, um, Scotty's gone with, you know, the big guns as he's seen it. And you've seen certainly improvements in the discipline and performance of most of the team. Um, you know, one little setback was obviously with a doy, and that was, you know, that was a that was a very worrying incident um, yep. when he went down. And you know, anybody that's had to question his heart and guts, you know, the fact that he wanted to carry on playing when he was obviously right. in a lot of distress um, was was, you know, it was a it was a very very big concern. But then, having said that, um, you know, um, Cyrus Christie came on and. And Cyrus was really, I mean, it was a wonderful goal by Babel that won it. But let's not forget the run by Christie. It was an outstanding yeah, run. Absolutely. It was a superb layback. layback. And, uh, you know, um, we look like a team that's enjoying playing, but is playing with control and discipline. Um, and I think the stability of having a starting lineup, similar starting lineup the last few weeks has helped. And I'm, I'm anticipating we're going to see the same sort of thing on Saturday when we play those pesky wolves and um hoping we can get some sort of result up there okay excellent max over to you your thoughts on the starting 11 and the 18 overall yeah it's nice to have that kind of consistency um starting 11 i thought was excellent finally that four two three one formation which i think has been our best formation all year but we just have been very hesitant to use it and then looking at the bench was interesting for me you know mothman's back he had a late cameo that was nice uh, it was good to see Elliot, you know, on the bench again. But no Sherla, you know, no Vieto. That that shows to me what Scotty's doing. He's saying, clear out the deadwood. I don't think we'll see either of those players again this season. And, and those type of players who have been on loan and haven't performed at all. And he's showing, listen, I'm going to go with the strong 
a solid starting 11. I'm not going to play the kids. And that's selfish from Scott. That's saying, I want the job. But I'm all for it because it gets full results. It puts the club in a really good position. And instead of taking, you know, what fans would have wanted, what, what we all wanted, I think, was, listen, put Luca Del Torre out there. Put Harvey Elliott. Put Steven Sessegnon. Put those type of players. Matt O'Reilly, you know. That's what we wanted. But actually, he's really won over the fan base by playing this strong lineup and getting results out of it. And that's all we want is wins. When we thought we couldn't get wins, we said just play the kids and give up. But Scott has reinstilled that kind of um, confidence that we have, that we can get matches, that we can play at the level of Premier League teams and get wins. And I think that is all we can ask for right now. Okay, very good there, my friend. All right, guys, let's now get into talking about this match, and let's start with the first half. And before I get your overall view, I just want to get your overall view on the first half. I do want to talk a little bit about the Dennis Adoy situation and it's funny because I've had a few people come to me that, that uh, when we talked about concussions on the last that maybe I was going a little bit too long on it. And I certainly understand that, but I do think that we do need to talk about, we're going to talk about it in a second, but before we do that, I do want to mention that Fulham did have an opportunity in the first half early on. You had the opportunity from Mitra on the 12th minute. And then now I do want to talk about the situation with Dennis Adoy in the 21st minute as he collides with, uh, Maxine LaMarchand is down and out for, uh, you know, and again, I've heard different reports on this, but he's out for some seconds there. And it is worrying. It's concerning. But, Max, well, I want to go to you because I thought Fulham did the right thing. The absolute right thing is that after several minutes, they bring Christian and they take Dennis Adoy off. But watching this was uh, was concerning. And I know I've talked about this. You know, we've talked, we've talked about this on on the prior show, but this was a worrying thing, but I think Fulham handled this well. I want your thoughts about the whole situation with Dennis Adoy. Yeah, well, let's go back to last week against Bournemouth when you yeah. brought up the David Brooks situation when he was hit from a very close range uh, yeah. by a ball that Mitrovic kicked. Right. And yeah, I saw on Twitter someone said, why are you spending so much time on this? Um, but look what, look what happened immediately after. We have the Adoy situation, and then tonight, as I'm sure all everyone's seen it. Yes, horrified Jan Vertonghen. Jan Vertonghen situation. And it, your conversation that you brought it up, all credit to you, because this is not an issue most people talk about, you know, in football. But it was yeah. so relevant because we saw the right way to handle a head injury and the wrong way to handle a head injury. And the right way is Fulham. Every yeah. single precaution was taken, right? He yeah. wanted to get back up. The physio said, listen, Dennis, calm down. Just lay down. They laid him down and they brought the stretcher. It was nine to ten minutes. A yeah. very intense care. They watched him closely. I could see the Fulham figures running tests. They brought over the oxygen uh, mask, you know, to give him air. They brought the stretcher. And actually, members of the Cardiff City medical team also came over to help him. And it took a very long time. But they made sure he was safe and he was okay. And, you know, he got stretchered off. And that was that was a perfect way to deal with it. He didn't come on. He came straight off. When he tried to jump back up, because that's when the adrenaline kicks in, they said, no, you have to sit down. And then we saw tonight. You know, Tottenham and Ajax, Vertonghen, very clearly dazed, dizzy, yeah. nauseous. He's very insistent. He wants to come back on. The physios, I think, did a disgusting thing by not taking the precaution they took with the doy. And you saw the Tottenham physios, who was night and day from what Fulham did. They, I think he really wants to be back on. And they let the player make a decision, which is the wrong thing to do. And as you saw, 30 seconds later, Vertonghen is spitting up, is nauseous, and forces himself off the pitch because he realizes he's not okay to continue. Right. And he has to be ho- – and he's hobbled off carried off by five mem- members of the medical team. If all players you know, make decisions, of course they're going to want to go back in. You saw Dennis Adoy spring back up. 
but you yep. have to let the physios make those tough decisions and you have to let them enforce them. And it's very scary because if Vertonga continued to play, got seriously injured again, that's when real brain damage can happen. And right. I think it's just credit to the Fulham team and credit to the conversation we've had on Cottage Talk that this issue needs to be brought up because players need to know, fans need to know, don't rush them back on. It's for their own safety to take them off. Well, I'm glad that we are talking about it, Max. And uh, you actually really explained it well how Fulham handled it, and they handled it the right way, even though Dennis Adoy wanted to continue to play. They replaced him, and, th- and that was the right thing to do. And uh, it's just interesting that we also have this incident. I saw the incident with Jan Vertagen, and you see that as well. So, But I think it's something that needs to be discussed, and uh, I'm glad that we are talking about it. Over to you, Mr. Janais. We've talked about this. And you already brought this up at the beginning of the show, talking about Dennis Adoy. So let's talk about, from through your eyes, about how Fulham handled it and, and compare it to some of these other situations that we've seen. Well, I know that we got a little bit of coverage and pushback when we mentioned it, you know, I think it was the last show. But look, we're talking about concussion is a brain injury. And, it's, and, and thank God we know now, what, as we've said before, what, what we didn't know many, many years ago. And, um, you know, Adoy was in a lot of trouble here. I mean, you, you, you've got to be very, you've got to be very, very careful. And for me, I thought the Fulham backroom staff did a man absolutely magnificent job. Yeah, it's the way you do it. It's a very serious injury. I mean, it, it, you don't, you don't, you just don't mess around with it. And um, I actually think, you know, I think that, um, I, I mean, the worst thing, is, as Max said, the worst thing you could possibly do is get the, the player to decide what the next move is going to, is going to be. Yeah, you have to take it out of his hands. That's right. You've got to take it out of his hands. But, but you know, looking at, say, NFL, for example, and all the, all the stuff we know now in terms of CTE and impact of helmets. And, and in the last year, I remember talking about Jeff Astle, the former England yes. player who, yeah. I mean, you, you don't mess around with your, your, your melon. You know, so um, I thought it was very, very well handled. Um, um, a doy had to go off. And that was and that was the right thing to do. They took every precaution. They, um, you know, they took their time, and that was and that's what you know. What fan, what player in that stadium would begrudge that? And if you want a better example, a bigger reason as to why you always take your time with injuries. And I'm talking about genuine, not the Patrick Bamford. I'm going to try and con the referee into an elbow right in the weekend. Yeah, um, for Bruce Muamba. Yes. I mean, you know, late, need I say more? A game gets abandoned because a, a, a guy has a, you know, a, a heart attack on the field. You don't, injuries are injuries. So, and it was sufficiently serious. You could see that Dennis was in a lot of trouble. So yeah. it was very well handled. And I'm hoping, you know, this is the sort of stuff that they should use, every football club should use as an exemplar of how to deal with head injuries during a game, that the necessary precautions and the, due diligence that needs to be undertaken to ensure that the safety of the athlete is always kept paramount. Totally agree, Giannis. And and that's why, again, I think it's important to have this discussion. And I hope others discuss it as well, not just us on Cottage Talk, because I think it needs to be spread throughout the footballing world that there needs to be more awareness. There needs to be more examples of, of how Fulham handled this. More clubs need to be doing that and doing the right things to protect the player. And 
it really can be a situation. The player can't be making the decision. The physios need to be making the decision. Don't let them make the decision because they're going to want to play. Of course they're going to want to play. But uh, in this case, Fulham made the decision. The physios made the decision, and they did the right thing. So that's why I'm glad that we could talk about it in those terms. And and I just hope Dennis is okay. That's the bottom line. I just hope Dennis Adoy is okay. All right. And, Russ, if if I could just share one quick little uh, anecdote about players and, and kind of my experience with concussions uh, in, in football, um, just to show you how much players want to play. So in my high school team, when I was in the club for my school, and maybe Giannis has this, he's a teacher, he knows what it's like. Um, at the beginning of every season, you have to take a, a concussion protocol test, right, where you all go to computer lab and you yeah. fill out, you have this kind of mind exercise and memory, and that's what they set for the baseline, right? right. So when you have a concussion in, in a match – they can compare results. I don't know exactly how it works, but they say, is this different from your baseline in a very significant way and you have a concussion? Now, not on the football team, but on the American football team, what was known is the players would purposely do bad, very poorly, on their baseline tests so that if they didn't get concussed in the game, <laughs> it wouldn't show up. So obviously that was a bit of an urban legend, but that just kind of shows you how much players want to play and you right. have to really have to take it out of their hands. Just a brief anecdote. Absolutely. No, I'm glad that you shared that because I just think it's important to talk about this and, and talk about the dangers of concussions and uh, how badly players want to play. Of course they want to play. They love to play. But sometimes you have to take it out of their hands, especially when they are in potential danger. And I think Fulham did the right thing. So I'm glad that we could talk about it in those terms. All right, guys, let's now just get your overall view on the first half because the, the real action took place in the second half. Mr. Janais, just an overall view of the first half? I thought we were good. I thought we dominated the proceedings. I thought we looked comfortable on the ball. I thought the movement off the ball was good. I thought we, you know, we, we, were, we were calm in, in, in most situations. Um, lots of control. We looked like, a, you know, we were, I was really, really pleased with the, with, with the way we were set up and I was pleased with, you know, the application. And, and I really thought we were going to be in for a right physical battle. Um, but we took a lot of the momentum out of Carlos Sands in terms of the way we approached the game, and obviously the game plan. They worked on the on the on the, on the, uh, the training ground, and um, we gave Cardiff a few opportunities. And I thought we you know, maybe a shade unfortunate to go to go in half time, not leading, but I thought we were the better better side of the half. Okay, Mr. Cohen, do you agree with Mr. Janaeus? Yeah, I think we definitely edged it, um, but. That the the layoff, you know, the, the kind of ten minute um, interval, really kind of disrupted the flow of the match, and you actually kind of saw that in, in the Spurs match tonight. You know, when you have such a long um, stoppage in play, it disrupts the rhythm of the sides and leads to kind of a choppy end to the half. So that was one, I think, uh, effect of the the Dennis Adoy situation. Okay, very good there, Mr. Cohen. All right, okay, guys. Now coming up next, we're going to be talking about the second half. Whether taking a road trip to the beach heading to the mountains, or driving to the city. Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Okay, guys, let's now get into talking about the second half. Let's start 
with uh, an opportunity from Fulham in the 48th minute. Mitro has good chance, but the ball goes over the crossbar. Then in the 55th minute, Kearney's uh, cross forces a save by Neil Etheridge. So Fulham definitely are starting to build momentum and have some opportunities to score. And that's going to lead to talking about the goal in the 79th minute. And guys, I just want to share this with you before we talk about the goal, because on the uh, View of the Opposition show, I had on Tom Coleman from Wales Online, and uh, I asked him players that he was concerned with for the upcoming match from a Cardiff City perspective. And he's naming Kearney, he's naming Mitrovic, and I understand that. But at no point did I hear him mention Ryan Babel. So I said to him, I said, don't sleep on Ryan Babel. Yes, I'm tooting my own horn here because I mentioned this the day before the match that to someone that covers Cardiff City that you need to be a little bit worried about Ryan Babel. Well, Mr. Janaeus, Ryan Babel scored a fantastic goal. Let's talk about the match winner in the 79th minute. It was a it was a brilliant goal, and it was, it was it's looking more and more like Babel's going to be leaving at the end of the year. I mean, he's thirty two years of age, and yep. he's already stated he wants to be part of the next you know Dutch squad for the European Championships, and he's playing well right now, and um, he's 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 done he's, he has played well for us since he's come he's, he's come over from Turkey, um, and I certainly don't begrudge him that, and he's certainly going to get. Uh, a few teams that will take a very good look at him. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody offers him a, a contract. It was a lovely goal, a lovely finish, lovely technique. But the run by Christie was excellent. And and Christie, um, you know, um, it's sort of funny. He's been a little bit of a forgotten guy. You've had, you know, folks who mentioned, you know, my, my, you know, you know my thoughts on him. Yep. And then Adoy, you know, I don't begrudge Adoy starting, but then, you know, Christie's seems to be the guy that comes in, just does the job, tries his hardest. He's not a Premier League fullback, but he's a championship one, and he's a good one at that. And um, I'm expecting him to be a big part of the squad for next year. And it was a lovely run and a lovely knockback. And um, to be fair to, um, to Babel, most strikers might have, um, you know, taken that touch, and he didn't. He yeah. hit it first time. And, and Etheridge, who I'm going to just show some love to Etheridge, because, of course, he was on the form books once. Yeah. And Etheridge is turning out, has turned out to be a very good goalkeeper. Totally agree. And, um, but there's nothing he could have done about that. Not even Gordon Banks would have stopped that one. Top right-hand corner, end of that. And yep. um, from that point on, you know, I knew they were going to throw everything for the kitchen sink. But, um, you know, Rico, Rico came up trumps. And Rico he did. has played very well recently. And uh, he still can't catch a ball for a lick. But he's a brilliant <laughs> shot stopper. Um, and, and he showed his mettle again. I mean, he got... Um, you know, a lot of people thought he was man of the match. I, I did too, because I think it's not the saves you make, it's the timing of the saves. That's right. And the timing of the saves was excellent. So, kudos to him for that. But um, that was a real worldly goal by Babel. Okay, excellent. Max, I'm going to go over to you, because now we are going to talk about Sergio Rico. Because after that, Yana said, Carter City threw everything at Fulham, and there were opportunity after opportunity. There was a save by Rico in the 81st minute. 88th minute, Julian Hoylett hits the bar. I think that was some of the luck that you were mentioning earlier on. <laughs> then you then you had another save by Rico in the 90th minute on a shot by Bennett. 94th minute, Morrison has an incredible opportunity on a header. Thankfully, it goes right to Sergio Rico, and I'm probably forgetting a, a chance or two. There must have been, I don't know, anywhere between six to eight wonderful opportunities 
for Cardiff City to get the equalizer, but they didn't. Sergio Rico had a great deal to do with it. So I want to give you the honors to talk about the end of the match after the goal by foam and how Sergio Rico came up big here. He was excellent. I think Cardiff's mistake was that their crosses were too good because they let their players get ahead on it. If they'd really done their homework, they would have known the way to play against Rico is overhit your crosses, make Rico try to save it or punch it, and then wait for the rebound. Because <laughs> that's the best way to play against him. Because he's superb at making those you know, saves. Uh, he's a great save maker. Gets down Absolutely. well. Knows his positioning, excellent. But it seems when the ball comes to him in the air, and it should be his to claim, that's when the uh, problems start to start, start to happen. So, <laughs> no, but in all fairness, he was excellent. Um, and he kept us in it. And again, you mentioned the luck. I think on a different day, you know, that one goal goes in, and once the first goal goes in, it's two goals, and then Cardiff go and win it. And that entire last five or ten minutes, I just kept picturing, you know, someone like uh, Morrison or Manga just heading in, right, and, and the Cardiff away and just erupting. So many times we've seen it before this season, we, we give up late goals. A really good comparison, I think, was the Wolves match at home on Boxing Day. Yep. When we scored pretty late on through Sessegnon, Wolves attack, they equalize, and then we lose the three points. But for whatever reason, the, Rico stayed firm. First of all, the marking was terrible. So many really, really, really poor decisions. I mean, the, the Joe Bennett header, we just kind of step up. Joe Brown completely loses him. Yep. We, let, we let players through. There's no marking. So on that end, we just got lucky because Rico made good saves. Hoyland has an open goal, hits it against the bar. But in, that kind of reminded me almost of the Southampton match. When we were hanging on for dear life at the end, Rico made big saves. Yep. And we come out with the win. But is it the Scotty effect? Is it just luck? Is it because Rico was excellent? Yeah, maybe a combination of all three. But it really was a very satisfying three points because to see Cardiff lose and to essentially send them down. And you guys mentioned, you know, you're going down with the Fulham. Yep. That isn't the Fulham banter we, we know and love. And I don't know what it is. Well, what's great about all this, Max, and uh, all three wins come against opponents that either A, were playing very well at the time, or B, needed to win the match. You have Everton that were playing fantastic and Fulham throttled them. Then you have Bournemouth, who, again, were coming off of a huge victory. Fulham beat them. Now you have Cardiff City, who are desperate at this point, and Fulham win again. That shows me something, Max. What What are your thoughts about the common denominator with all three of these matches is that you have two opponents that were playing well, and you have this other opponent that's desperate, and Fulham still found a way to get all three points to get nine points out of three matches is incredible. I, yeah, I, I, it, it's superb, and I don't even know if it's that. If we saw the, a lot of people are saying, listen, the relegation was the turning point, right? Okay. After the Watford match, that's when the players started to let loose and play their full potential. But if you go back and watch how he played against Chelsea, how he played against, uh, you know, Liverpool, how he played against City, we deserved more out of those matches. Than right. We got. I agree with that. So I don't know if it's necessarily that maybe the relegation just gave us a little bit more impetus. But I think it's just we got more lucky during these matches. We've, we've been playing well, essentially, ever since Scotty Parker took over. With okay. the exception, perhaps, of Leicester and Watford, the two stingers, I think, of those of those run of results. But now we're just getting the performances are the same. We're just getting the results we deserve. So okay. I think that has to be done a lot, I think, into the management of Scott Parker. Okay, very good. Mr. Janaeus, over to you. Because when I look at these three victories, you know, again, I look at the common denominator being with the Everton match and then, of course, the Bournemouth match 
the two of them were actually playing well. And then you have a desperate team here. Again, these are all three teams that favored to win probably because, you know, again, you have two opponents that were playing well and one that was desperate. So what are your thoughts about this? And do you put this down to what Max just said? Is this the Scotty Parker effect? Is it finally, did it finally just all connect in that Everton match? Because we saw signs of it. And even in those two losses where they looked terrible at the end of those matches, they still look good in parts of it. So did it all just come together? Well, I think it's a Scotty. I think it's the um, Scotty Parker Stuart Gray um, combination. And you, you okay, bring. I, I'm glad that you brought up Stuart Gray too, there, my friend. Yeah, I mean, Slava got rid of um, of Gray, and and um, you know, the, the, defensively we, we we went downhill, and and uh, since Gray's come back, he's, he's you know he's exponentially improved the individual and collective defensive team performance. At the college, so you know they're obviously working in synergy. And um, Stuart Gray is an extremely experienced coach, and I think he's a, an excellent mentor to Scotty. And let's not forget that he's role not just as a defensive coach, but as a senior mentor to, to Scotty. And um, you know what they're, they're working in synergy, which is great. And I mean, three. You know, ordinarily, if we were staying up, you'd say three wins on the trot, three clean sheets in a row is is, is, is good stuff. Yeah, but seeing on the back of you know what was the four-one thumping up at Vicarage Road, um, we've we've come back and we've we've shown some real heart and some fight, and uh, with two games to go, um, you know, two winnable games. I mean, I mean, Wolves will not be easy. I, I fancy us getting uh, nicking three points off Newcastle. I do too. Um, at home, but um, you know, it's not to be sniffed at, and uh, you know, he's he's put together a, a pack, an application package slash audition. <laughs> but the cards must be pleased with. I know the fans are happy with him, and the and the players love him. So right. um, you know, it's um, um, it's it's shaping up, you know, for a, a good appointment. And I think uh, uh, I think good players will want to come here as well. I think Scott Scotty has um, a lot of credibility um, as a player, and I yep. think players will come. Uh, good players will come because of the quality of the player he was and what he's done so far, and. Um, I'm glad it's all started to to um, it's all started to come into fruition. It has, Giannis, and uh, it's funny because uh, am I still on the fence on Scott Parker? I don't know. Uh, I guess I still am, but what I will say is that he continues to make it difficult for someone like myself and the cons not to hire him because he is uh, building his uh, resume here. It's uh, it's actually been very impressive. And it is coming together. And I want to give him credit, but I'm glad that you also mentioned Stuart Gray because I think that's a factor as well. And obviously the players, they want to play for him. And that is totally showing itself. And that's what's wonderful about right now. Yes, they're relegated, but I like the way that they're ending the season. They're ending it on a high note. We have two matches to go. I think that they, they're going to beat Newcastle. Wolves is a different story. But I, at this point, I'm not going to bet against Fulham getting all three points against Wolves. Certainly not, because they're playing with confidence. All right, guys, to finish up the show, let's look at the full-time stats, and then we'll do man of the match and then give our rating to Scott Parker. Let's look at the full-time stats. Possession, guys, 73% to 27% in favor of Fulham. Total shots, this one's interesting, 13 to 8 in favor of Cardiff City. On target, 8 to 2 in favor of Cardiff City. 
that was all all near the end of the match. But here's an interesting one. Corners, 10 to 3 in favor of Fulham. Crosses, 18 to 10 in favor of Fulham. Passing accuracy. This is a great stat. 87% for Fulham, 65% for Cardiff City. And then let's look at fouls. 10 for Fulham and 8 for Cardiff City. All right, Mr. Cohen, what stands out to you from the full-time stats? Well, Cardiff actually outshot us. Yes. And wasn't even that close in the end. I mean, they had four more shots on target than we did. And as you rightly said, that was all kind of due to that late flurry. But interesting to show how we had so many corners and we couldn't really convert much of those corners and the shots on target. Right. So that's one thing that really jumped out at me. And then the the other thing is that 87% passing accuracy. That's That's like Slavisa level. That's Slavisa level passing accuracy. So that's kind of a nod to Scotty Parker combining the defensive aspect of Stuart Gray and the clean sheets with that nice passing mentality of Slavisa. It's very interesting that you said that because, Giannis, that's a good point from Max because it almost seems like this hybrid. We still have those elements of Slavisa, but we have the defensive capabilities of, say, Stuart Gray. Like, you know, again, we're not there in training, but something's going on there. And it's almost like being able to combine the uh, possession style of Savisa, but also be defensively sound, and it's really starting to pay off. And But the one thing that stands out for me is the passing accuracy. I'm glad that uh, Max talked about that. Your thoughts, what stands out to you from the full-time stats? Same. Same, 87% uh, passing, passing accuracy is excellent. 73% possession is excellent, you know. I mean, apart from that late flurry. Yep. Uh, then, you know, I think it was our game. And, um, you know, I still think, uh, I mean, Warnock did all his defending of the players and um, and blamed himself for the lineup. But the fact of the matter is we were the better side in the day and uh, we deserve the win. Okay, excellent. All right. Giannis, right back to you. Who's your man of the match? Uh, man of the match. Um, man of the match for me was Sergio Rico. I, mean, I thought the saves he made were excellent. Um, he, um, I've said before, it's not the saves you make, it's when you make the saves. And um, uh, I've also got a goat of the week. Who's the goat of the week? The goat of the week has got to be Neil Warner. <laughs> And, and the, re- the and the reason why is, is, is sinister and, and, and appalling as well. And in the BBC um, BBC post match uh, interview, yeah, I saw um, he talked about um, uh, he, he talked about possession, what have you. And then he talked about um, he made a reference to Emiliano Salah um, about that if he'd been you know available, the ability to score goals. Which I thought was a, a remarkably insensitive thing to say, seeing as the lad obviously lost his life in the English Channel, and 48 hours after his dad had just died of a heart attack. I mean, there are, you know, I I will pay respect to Neil Warnock's coaching career and what he's been able to, to achieve as a manager, but as a person, he's a proper twonk. I mean, I, I mean, can you can can you think of anything really more disgusting than bringing up the name of one of your um, you know, one of your players who your club has decided you're not going to pay a penny for, even though you signed the contract, Fred. Okay, yeah. and and you know, um, it, it it just it 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 really it it sort of it it it, it um it, it it defies belief, and it's almost as twonkish as the idiots who got arrested yesterday for leaking. I don't know if you know about this, but leaking autopsy pictures of Salah in England. Um, 
they arrested two people in England yesterday. They thought that these two morons had decided to to um, actually uh, break into the uh, mortuary when these autopsy oh. the autopsy took place, and they and uh, they found that it didn't. But they got hold of these images, and they were apparently the 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 available online, which is so disgusting in yeah. in line of what happened to the lad, and also the fact that his dad. His dad didn't just die two days ago, but Salah's best friend died a few days after his body was found in the channel, and they still haven't found the body of the pilot. So going back to Warnock, like you really don't have any brain cells. Honestly, it just just brings the game into disrepute, and um, I, it just I don't know whether he's because he's seventy or what, but just just so in, so insensitive. Just just you know keep your mouth shut. Oh, I agree, Yannis. I'm glad that you've mentioned that. All right, Max, I believe you, you've already said Sergio Rico as your man of the match, correct? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wavering. I'm going to say Ryan Babel, actually, because not just for his goal, but I think throughout the entire match, he was the most likely to create something for Fulham. Okay. He moved all over from the wing to central. He was involved in every attack, and he was really lively. So I'm going to give it to actually Ryan Babel. Okay. Let's end with talking about Scotty Parker. Give him a rating. I'm going to say uh, eight. I thought he did most everything right. I thought his his substitutions were good, giving Mawson a run out and the four two three one. I'm happy with. Okay. And just a quick note on on Parker. At the beginning, he was really the kind of risk candidate, right? When he was first appointed, people said if you give him the full time job, that's a risk. Right, right now, I think he's done an excellent job of making himself. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people, so did I. He's done an excellent job of making himself the stability candidate. Because what he's done now, he said, listen, yeah, he's like, listen, I know the style. I know how to work with Fulham. I know the transfer policy and I'm getting results. If you sack me and go in in favor of someone different, you're going to switch the entire mentality around the club. The players have to learn a new system and will lose the goodwill from the end of the season. So he's done an excellent job, I think, of switching the the dynamic here and saying, listen, if you sack me, that's a risk. Whereas if you keep me, that's stable, which is a total 180 flip from what it was a couple months ago. So credit to him. He's done a really excellent job. Okay. Over to you, Mr. Janais. I'm going to give Scotty, Scotty an eight and a half. I thought um, um, the lineup was good. You know, approach the game was good. We, we played well. A few scares near the end. Rico was, um, you know, stood in his head and preserved the win. So very pleased with Scotty and, Hopefully it will, it will be just a matter of time before he's announced as a new manager. And I thought I'd use this opportunity to congratulate um, Luton Town and Bowles and got him promoted to the to championship. With a big shout out to Corley Woodrow, who um, yeah, you know I've always been high on and had, a, I know. had an excellent season for Barnsley, an excellent season. Yeah. Um, now is he a is he a League One striker or a Championship striker? We're about to find out. But um, as we're going down into this division. Um, it's going to be a very, very. Um, it's going to be an interesting division because two teams that we thought could come up this year from League One, Sunderland and Portsmouth, blew it. Yeah, blown, blown it. They're going to end up probably playing in playoffs. And um, at the bottom, we know the Bolton and Ipswich are down, but we don't know whether it's going to be the Rotherham or Millwall. Right. I don't believe. And of course, it's the team who's going to come down. Um, hopefully, it's going to be Bardiff. <laughs> um, you know that that'd be good. And uh, but anyway, I shout out to Corley because you know um, he, he, he didn't quite work out for him here, but yep. he's done very well at Barnsley, and, and the, the fans love him up there. And 
and looking forward to seeing him play at the cottage next year. And uh, I wish both teams all the best. Luton's a long time since they've been in the second division, so good for them too. Okay, excellent. Great show, guys. Fantastic show. I just want to mention because someone actually asked me, a, a regular listener wanted your thoughts, both of you guys, your thoughts about potential players for Fulham to target at several positions. I think we should be doing that in an upcoming show. We just ran out of time, but it is something that we're going to do. We're going to have many, many shows as we look forward to the championship. I'm looking forward to it. Just because uh, Fulham season is ending does not mean that Cottage Talk is ending. In fact, we're going to go into another gear. We're going to have many, many shows getting everyone ready for the championship. I'm excited for it. And trust me, you are going to get many, many episodes of Cottage Talk upcoming. But we do have to wrap up this episode of Cottage Talk. So for my co-host, Mr. Max Cohen and Mr. Yashines, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. MFS Investment Management. Our active 360 approach to fixed income goes beyond analyzing financials. We combine active security selection and risk management, striving to make the most of complex bond markets. MFS.com slash active 360. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.